This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Dream. Draft rules everything around me. You're watching it. That means I'm Chris Percyinen. You are tuned in to Nick's Film School, and we are about to have a good time. Tomorrow is Thursday. Today is Wednesday. June 21st. Tomorrow, Thursday, the 22nd, the 2023 NBA draft takes place with Victor Wenbanyama slated to go at number one overall. And a whole lot of madness starting <laughs> after that from there. So welcome in. Um, had some trades go on. The Denver Nuggets getting 29 and 32 from the Pacers. Um, the Nuggets now have three picks in this draft. Big bump up from zero. Um, and the Clippers gave up the 30th pick to the Washington Wizards. The Boston Celtics fleeced the other two teams in that deal, giving up Brogdon and Gallinari and seemingly no other draft capital and getting... Christophs Porzingis, someone who I think has the versatility to elevate them to that top level of team that they they've been scratching at and getting so close to. Um, it's a boomer bust type of move, uh, but I don't think the bust is that big of a bust considering the rest of that team is still going to be good. So, you know, lots of upside there for Boston, but Washington gets the thirtieth pick and a chance to add some cost controlled young talent uh, onto their roster as well as they begin what seems to finally be a full-fledged rebuild. And so with that, uh, there are some opportunities for the New York Knicks to trade in, uh, especially in that value zone um, that, that Wilco identified, that 25 to 35. If you even want to say 20 would be available from Houston, maybe it is. Um, I'm not so sure that that's going to be a price the Knicks are going to want to pay. I think Houston is fine enough with keeping that pick that it will not be worth it for the Knicks to go get it. Uh, that could age really poorly, um, like milk in the sun. So we've got to see. Other than that, still some opportunities to trade in. And if the Knicks do not trade in, you guys are going to have one heck of a jump on scouting reports for next year on knowing these players before they enter the league and being comfortable with your evaluations and then by the time they enter the league here on dream and draft class, I'm never trying to spoon feed you how to feel about a player. I'm just rather telling you what I think about them and why in a way that hopefully is conducive to you guys making your own evaluations, which is really fun for me. So uh, without further ado, I'm sure you guys have questions. Go to the comments, ask them. Ask away with those questions. Let them fly. 
And with that, we've got our first question. Drippy, what's going on? Thoughts on the Osar Thompson to Detroit at five news. Um, you know, yeah, the experts, the odds makers seem to agree that that's where he'll go. Um, oh my gosh. That means Amen will be going at four because there's no way Detroit. <sighs> yeah. So my guess would be Wemby, Miller, Scoot, or Wemby, Scoot, Miller, depending on who trades where for what. Because um, it seems like someone's going to move up for that number two or number three pick. Um, maybe Charlotte moves down to three. Because someone like New Orleans traded up for two, they make it a three de- three team deal, and Charlotte gets Miller at three. Maybe people call Charlotte's bluff and tell them to take Miller at two instead of Scoot, so that they can trade and get Scoot at three. Um, however, that plays out is going to be interesting. I-, I still think Amen to the Rockets is it, um, but I did hear recently that the Rockets worked out Cam Whitmore under the radar the other day um, in an effort to kind of. Get their get themselves straight uh, as they get ready to make a decision. Maybe not fully sold on Amen as a sign of that. Maybe just trying to make sure their bases are covered. Um, maybe trying to see what's up with Cam Whitmore's medicals, which I have heard. Yeah. Um, so basically, we'll see. I completely buy Osar at five to Detroit. How do I feel about it for Detroit? Um, you know, there are guys that I would have gone with before Thompson, comma, Osar, in Cam Whitmore and Jarris Walker, assuming they're both available. But when you've got Ivy and Cade, you can swing on someone like Osar and just try to have an insane one, two, three punch at your one, two, three. Um, that seems really fun to me. And Troy Weaver loves length and athleticism. So that all adds up. Um, yeah. Jason, my guy, what's going on? Good to see you in here. I want to thank you for always being in these dreams, always supporting. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's not unnoticed that you're always asking questions and commenting. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you for the support. Thanks for everyone that always pops out. Jason has settled on Colby Jones, Ben Shepard, and Jaime Jaquez as his three targets for the Knicks. Uh, Colby Jones, top 25 on my big board. Ben Shepard in the first round on my big board. Jaime Jaquez in the first round on my big board. Um, I like all three of those players. I think Jaquez is very much a Thibodeau guy. Um, I think Shepard is very much a Perrin guy. And I think Colby Jones does a little bit of both. Um, if moving quickly is something they they see as being in the cards, I think any of these three guys could be good off the bench in, in trying to replace that production. I don't think they will replace it, especially in year one. Um, but they'll be great at, at trying, and, and and that's you know uh, that could be cost effective for the Knicks. If I were the Knicks, I would not move Emmanuel quickly. Uh, I would extend him to a 484 to a 490 even i think a 490 would age as a good deal so if i could sign that i would um but say they're really sold on making a move for levine and they can save all their draft picks if they just surrender barrett and quickly uh 
and just two protected picks from the draft night deal last year or something like that, and they sell themselves on that, then yeah, I could see them going ahead and and you know maybe trading a top in for the pick that could land them someone to replace quickly, then go get Nas Reed <laughs> with the MLE to replace Toppin, play a little musical chairs, I suppose while dumping Fournier's contract for Levine in the process. That plan, of course, as outlined previously by Jeremy Cohen, uh, the great and venerable. Um, Jason, three first-round guys for me. I think if the Knicks could get any of these guys at 35, the 30 to 35 range, that would be great. I think they would be fine if they took any of them from 28 to 30. And Colby at top 25 sounds good to me. So, yeah. Love those targets, Jason. Um, and and just again, uh, well, first of all, thanks for sharing your your guys because I always love to hear from you guys. But thanks for always being here. I appreciate it. APJP, next question. Thank you, man. Darren Hood, what is going on? Good to see you too. I, I see you in these streams as well. I, I really, I'll be corny for a second. I really view y'all like a family. So it's cool to, to have our little reunions and hang out. Um, because to me, there's nothing better than talking basketball with people. That's why I want to do it for a living. Um, and you guys are awesome dance partners in this draft tango. You have a question, Darren. What are the likely chances that the Knicks will trade into the draft. I, you know, if I had to put a number on it right now, I'd say 20%. I would say if you run the draft five times, the Knicks will trade into it one of those five times. Um, I just think that the possibility that they buy a pick, someone might be selling a late pick for money. Um, Plus the possibility that someone they really like, given how deep this draft class is, just straight up goes undrafted and they can just add them um, and allure them with New York and, and the Westchester program and, and you know how McBride did there and, and um, guys getting elevated up to the league from there. I, I think that the chances that they actually trade into the draft uh, aren't super high. Now, if you include making a trade that involves getting a pick. So yeah, technically it's trading into the draft, but you're trading for something else and then you're giving up something out, you know, whatever it, it, maybe I'd say 25, but just straight up acquiring a pick for some cost 20. Uh, Jeremy and I were talking about this earlier. I told him to tweet it right away using a couple of those high value second rounders. The Knicks have for next season and getting like that 32nd pick from Denver that they just got from Indiana. Um, See if they're interested. So yeah. Yeah. I think I'm confident in that answer enough to not change it. <laughs> Trying my best. APJP. Keep them coming. Jay, what's going on? <laughs> All right. I got to read this question, but it, you've already heard that it, it made me crack up. Jay says, yo, Chris, if Dallas didn't tank the last few games like a-holes, who would you have targeted for the Knicks in the 11 to 14 area that they would have gotten into? That's a really good question, Jay, because even though they're not there, it can still tell you not only about how I feel about the Knicks roster construction, but how I feel about some of the prospects. That's a good, that's a good question, man. Good stuff. Um, Man, if the Knicks were sitting there, I think somebody like a, 
I, I would have probably suggested a trade down. I think they would have been able to squeeze value out of it um, and still land someone uh, in like the 17 to 18 range. Uh, that would be really good for them. Dariq Whitehead being one of those guys, I buy the high school sample and that the foot was bothering him throughout the season, just had surgery to clean it up. So it'll no longer bother him. Um, assuming those medicals are clean going forward. I really like Dariq Whitehead out of Duke. Uh, he came out at, sorry, doing a little digging here because my big board is going to drop tomorrow, but you guys haven't seen it yet, but I have it right here. So <laughs> let me go. Let me go consult. Uh, Derek Whitehead, I've got it 17 on my big board. Someone else I like I'm a little more of a project vibe, but Noah Clowney from Alabama. Um, someone that I think, you know, could replace Obi long term and play the role that Thibodeau wanted Obi to play more naturally and, and much better defensively. Um, someone else in the trade down would have been Olivier Maxens Prosper or Omax Prosper out of Marquette, six seven wing with a six eleven wingspan, locked down Jordan Hawkins chasing him around the perimeter. He locked down Colby Jones and his on ball skill. And he locked down Cam Whitmore and stopped him from getting to the rim get, using his size. And when you do all that across your conference, you know, I'm really impressed. Maxence, uh, Omax Prosper is someone that to me is legitimately just a shot away. Like he made 34% of his threes, not spectacular. If that number gets up just a tad, he's the kind of wing like a, Mm. in the vein of a Darian Finney Smith or Jeremy Grant that like team salivate over. Um, so yeah, I, I, I see that. I think his handle needs to get a little better to be an offensive option, but I just think the value is going to be there with him. And then if they weren't allowed to trade down Bryce sensible, I have at 13 on my board. Um, you're going to see on, on my big board, his position is just going to be scorers, scorer. That kid is your, your bucket getters, favorite bucket getter. This is Michael Beasley vibes coming in, man. And, and obviously he's not the same size as Beasley. He's not as natural looking, but in terms of that mindset of this guy's going to stick around in the league for a very long time because he can put the ball in the basket. Bryce sensible that, that applies to him very, very much. So he, he's got a frame that says to me that, even if he's not a great rebounder, he can, he can box out out there and, and be competitive. Um, and I'm just really impressed with, with him given his age. So Bryce Sensabaugh would be the guy in that range, but I honestly would have preferred for the Knicks a trade down. Thank you, Jay, for the cue. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Ben Kim Gervy. 
What is up? Thoughts on Miller going to Charlotte. Is Michael Jordan going out picking this year's Sam Bowie? Ay, ay, ay. You know what this is, Ben? This is called a setup. This is called a setup. <laughs> You're setting me up. Listen, my cop for Brandon Miller has always been like a plus version of Cam Johnson. If Cam Johnson as a prospect was a year, two years younger, you know, I could see the sell on that being Brandon Miller um, and having a little more room to grow, but the size, the shooting, the lack of handle, the lack of fluid movement in terms of like maybe going down low to create and, and staying on balance. Like I just, I like Brandon Miller and I like him a lot as a prospect. I have him number six on my big board. I think in this super loaded class where I have guys at 35 and 37 and 40 that would be in my first round in a normal draft class right at the end of the first. Um, I've got Brandon Miller going six on my big board, not going six in the draft. Uh, I just think that between Scoot Henderson, Cam Whitmore, and both Thompson twins, and I would take Brandon over Osar. But you got you got to go Scooter Whitmore, right? Like Charlotte should go with Cam Whitmore and have if they if they don't want to go with another guard because of LaMelo, then take the best wing in the draft. That's to me, that's Cam Whitmore. If his medicals aren't great, take Jairus Walker, <laughs> not number two, but obviously, but I'd rather take Jairus than Brandon. I just I think with the bet you're making at number two, you're really putting a really big onus on Brandon to be something he may not have the capability to be. And then he might bust for them, even though he'll go to his next spot and break out. Like just those expectations, the fact that they passed on someone who might go in rookie of the year for him. It's tough, yo. It's tough. So here's what I'll say. My thoughts on Miller going to Charlotte are that Charlotte is getting a really good prospect who is long. He's tall and he's a good shooter. Um, and he's got a little feel out there in terms of making passing reads. I, he's also just someone who isn't the best option on the board or the second best option on the board or the third best option on the board. And for me, if you're not one of those top three and the team should be drafting best player available, you're allowed to question that decision. If they were, you know, if they were taking Whitmore, I'd be like, wow, they should really go with Scoot Henderson. But I love Whitmore for them. Um, but Miller, I like him for them. I don't love him for them. And, and, you know, I hope Brandon Miller makes that age like like milk. And I hope he goes out and becomes a real established wing option. Um, cause that'd be really cool for the NBA to have another six, nine supersized wing that can go out there and, and hoop, you know, Miller said today looks up to Paul George. Um, but that's a tough sell for me. Tough sell for me. I will not go as far as to say the things that you said, um, right there. I'm not going to repeat that. All right. If you're not, if you're listening on Spotify, don't go look up what that. Yeah. Anyway, APJP. Dirty Dancer, what's going on? Do you allow vague injury rumors to affect your draft board? Um, Technically, yes. <laughs> I guess technically, yes. But not in the way you're asking. And so the answer is no. But I'll tell you what I meant by that initial yes. 
If I hear from someone, if it gets, I always say, you know, things get passed across my virtual desk. Something comes across my virtual desk. Some prospect has iffy medicals. I'll reach out to two, three of my most trusted draft sources and ask about that prospect and their medicals. And if a couple of them don't answer and then, you know, whatever, like you kind of, you get a vibe, right? (laughs) You get a vibe and, and uh, you, you kind of figure things out and then you see a mock draft where a guy's slipping and you're like, Oh, okay. So they do know something. Um, I just think that it's tough to ignore when someone that's in the know knows something. Um, and if you get past something that's you think is legit, then yeah, you should not be afraid of it. Um, but you also should approach with caution. I would say, um, I would say that when it comes down to online injury rumors, uh, just ignore them, you know, vague accounts, random accounts that you don't know, just evaluate the talent on the court. You'll never regret that you will regret you know, if you look at if you're someone like me who looks at your draft boards in the years after, you'll regret buying into what NBA trade rumor with a Z one two three said on Twitter. You won't regret watching the games and making evals. You'll never regret that. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Fargo Tufo, what's going on? Nice to see you in here. Hope you're doing well. The question. It seems as if a few players will fall to the second round. If Sensaba, Sissoko, or Podzemski fall, which would you choose? And if it's CD Sissoko, convince him because he's not sold. Okay. I differ from consensus on one of these guys for sure. And I want to say two. Bryce Sensabaugh, like I said, is number 13 on my draft board. Um, CD Sissoko is number 34 on my draft board. And Brandon Podzemski is number 35 on my draft board. I know Jeremy Cohen loves pods. Um, I am not sold on his size. Uh, WCC coaches are not sold on his size. Um, It's just tough when you can't body up on anybody on anybody like Jalen Brunson is small, but he's strong as a bull. And we know that pods is small. He's skinny and and he's so crafty and skilled on the ball. I would take him at the end of the first round. I would take him right at the start of the second round and take that bet on his shooting on his, on his advanced feel and playmaking ability. Um, but it's very tough for me to take someone in the first round who I'm not sure I'll be able to have on the court. If a game is really getting tight with CD Sissoko, I'm just not confident in how many of his potential great attributes will actually realize themselves and be great. Uh, he feels to me like a, you know, never mind, because I was going to give two prospects that he reminds me of, and they're both Euro prospects. And I don't want people to think that I'm stereotyping Euro prospects as being a certain sort of, because that's stupid. And I hate people that do that. So 
even though the comparisons apply, I'm just going to say CD seems to me like one of those players who is good at a lot of things, but not great at anything. Um, and, and his size and athleticism is supposed to make up for that. But when it comes down to it, is he guarding at a level high enough to justify his lack of ability to do anything with the ball in his hands? Uh, is he making catch and shoots? Um, he is shooting off movement. Isn't even a question. Uh, how good of a rebounder, how good of a defender remains to be seen. Can he guard up the lineup for real? I think so. Can he guard down the lineup? Now that's where I'm concerned with the smaller guards getting by him. I think they'll blow by him. Um, I love CD's passing. I don't buy the catch and shoot. And because I, I don't buy the catch and shoot in his first couple of years in the league, I think not only is his role going to be inconsistent, but his development will be affected negatively as a result. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Bryce Sensabaugh would be who I would choose for sure out of that group. Really natural score. J, J, J. Good question, but I got to yell at you. And here's why. Thought exercise. If RJ, IQ, OB, and Grimes were taken off the Knicks tomorrow and put into this draft, where would each of them be taken? Jay, this is a really good question. That's why I did an entire podcast answering this question. Season two, episode one of draft class is called Back to the Future. It's on streaming services wherever you get your music or podcasts. And it is a podcast episode that I did with no guest to bring back draft class for season two. I took Deuce McBride. RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, and Quentin Grimes. And I talked about them both as prospects and with hindsight, where I would take them in the draft. And given what we know about them now, what pick would I trade to get them if I were a team? Um, the rough answers for you, where would each be taken by teams? I will try to speed round these. RJ Barrett would go fourth or fifth overall. Um, I think it would be when Minyama Miller Henderson, and then teams would be like, Oh, do we go with Barrett or Amen Thompson? Do we go with the kid who was productive at Duke or the kid who was a superstar in a, in the overtime league? I think that would be the debate. So I'll say five Emmanuel quickly. Given what teams know about him now as a prospect, he would have gone in the forties, but given what teams know about him now, he would go in the top 10 and nine or 10 just based off of what, what I've heard other teams think about him after this past season, playoff warts included Obi Toppin given what teams know about him now would be actually lower than he would have gone as a prospect. Um, same with RJ. I answered RJ as a prospect. You wanted the answer for now. The answer for now would be like the, the eighth or ninth pick. Yeah. Um, contract not included. And then Obi Toppin, I would say. late twenties, given what teams know about him now as a prospect, early twenties and 
Grimes, given what teams know about him now in the lottery or right outside of it, but probably inside of it at the end of it. And as a prospect, again, forties, unless the Knicks still took him at 25. Thanks, Jay. Lumbar. What are the chances that the Knicks go after Jordan Walsh? He seems like the perfect Tibbs guy bought into the system at Arkansas under Musselman may go top 20 first round promise. Why else come out? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, I'll start off by saying that Tibbs and Musselman share something in common. That is that they both learned a lot about basketball from Bill Musselman, who is the father of Eric Musselman, who gave Thibodeau his first coaching job um, and eventually brought him to an NBA staff with him. Uh, I think that's cool. Tom and Bill used to talk basketball for up to 10 hours, 14 hours straight. Eric would sit in the room waiting to go home with his dad, uh, fall asleep in and out, listening to them. Um, that being said, Tom Thibodeau doesn't decide who gets drafted to this Knicks roster. It's a collaborative effort between the front office, the analytics department, the scouting department, and to the coaching staff as a whole. Um, yeah, Jalen Williams had fans in in all those departments, and yet the team chose to do what they did on that draft night instead to land themselves Hartenstein and Brunson. Um, so it totally depends. You know, Thibodeau really likes Grimes and McBride. Sims was an Aller guy. Quickly was a Wesley guy. You know, so so it depends. Um, I, I will say that the Knicks probably wouldn't take him because he doesn't project as someone who he does what they need on the defensive end from someone of his size. But given how isocentric the offense has been given how important it is that the Nick players can at least catch and shoot, but especially the extent to which they've prioritized pull-up shooting. Um, I, I struggle to see a world where they go for Jordan Walsh. Now I actually think that this would be really smart of them to do. And that's why I like this question, Lumbar. I, I just do I do think that it's it's tough when it's it's tough when he can't do anything on offense um to sell Tom Thibodeau on playing that guy. Uh I think Thibodeau would love to send him to Westchester for a year and have him work on his three point shot, catch and shoot. But uh whether he ends up on the Knicks or not, you know. I'll leave that remains to be seen, but I I doubt it. Um and yeah, maybe he does have a late first round promise. Could you see a team like Denver saying to him, Hey, we're going to go get a pick at the end of the first and we're going to take you. Maybe, maybe. Thank you. Lombard. Thank you. Ben Kim Gurvey with a question that is right up his own alley. So I'm glad that I have an answer to it. Ben wants to know what kind of information teams get about the mindset and personality of prospects skills are one thing what about the rest yeah ben i know you're interested in psychology um and that's an angle that you love to to investigate things through uh on uh, with you know from an nba perspective i, I gotta tell you man the, these teams don't leave a stone unturned especially if they're seriously considering drafting someone uh, at the end of the day you got to think of it through what i call the asshole lens which is when dollar signs come into play these are multi-million dollar businesses that are considering adding people to their workplace. 
They need to make sure that there are people that they want in their workplace to do this. They'll talk to their parents and they'll talk to their high school coaches and they'll find out who their friends are and they'll try to talk to them. And they may reach out to even distant family and they'll talk to agents and they'll talk to other agents and they'll talk to opposing coaches and they'll talk to assistant and head coaches of, of that, that have coached them. They'll talk to AAU coaches and high school coaches and college coaches and assistants from all three of those levels. Um, they'll talk to coaches that played against them. Uh, they'll talk to in, you know, in conference coaches, um, teams have a, a whole team, no pun intended of people that just goes out and scrapes this information. Uh, it's part of the job of a scout to know these things. Sam Vicini is who I've got to give a shout out to because he does the best at providing a background profile of prospects in his draft guide. That's on the athletic. Now, <laughs> I think it's worth subscribing to the athletic just for the draft guide. Um, if Fred Katz wasn't on there, if uh, Mike Forkinov wasn't on there, if David Aldridge, all these talented authors and writers that are on there, if they weren't on there, I would still subscribe just for Sam's stuff, which is crazy to think about, but uh, it's that good. So listen, go check out Sam's draft guide. Um, you will find more in there about these prospects and their wills to compete and things of the sort than, than you'd ever imagine. And that's just Sam. And Sam has a whole lot of resources, but I'll, Sam will be the first to tell you he's got nothing compared to these NBA teams. He's got nothing. Brad Worksman with the Q. What's up, Brad? Um, Thanks for joining and thanks for the question. If the Knicks get into the draft, do I think that taking a Tibbs guy is short-sighted versus taking the best available player? Or do you take a Tibbs guy because he may actually play? So I'm going to try to translate this question a little bit. It sounds like you're asking about win now versus long-term, but best available player, you're not specifying that the player has to be a project. And so here's how I'll put it. Uh, Tibbs players are something that you figure out from your evaluation of a player if they're a Tibbs player or not. It's not something where you go into a list of players going, oh, who are the Tibbs guys and pick them out. You got to really think, does this guy love basketball? Does he love trying to get better? Does he love the late night workouts when the lights go off? Does he love the game? Does he love film? Does he love rebounding? Does he love extending possessions for his teammates? Does he love blocking shots? Does he love getting steals? Does he love sneaking by with the foul and getting away with it and getting the steal? Does he love offensive rebounds? Does he love two nining in the paint? Does he love the technicality and the skill and the finesse that come with that? Does he love shooting? Does he love missing? Does he love missing? Cause it teaches him that he needs to be better. You want psychos, man. And I always say it here on draft class. We want psychos. We want insane people. And I mean that in the most loving way as an insane person myself we won't get into my prescriptions they are existent uh and plentiful <laughs> but as an ins you know listen you need someone that's passionate and driven to to to, to know wit's end and that kind of player someone like josh hart who on the court will look at his own teammate mitchell robinson and go you get you get offensive rebounds you get you get you get second chances i get rebounds that break teams my rebounds break teams. It's like, he's like rabbit out there. Like he can't, he, he's got to let someone know that he just broke their soul with that offensive rebound. 
that he broke them. Like that's the sickness that I am in love with that. I'll always be sold on guys that are that passionate. I want you on my program. I want you representing my team. I want you wearing my colors, my threads, my Jersey. If you're that way about the game. And to be honest, that's a Tibbs guy. Tibbs is someone who doesn't want to take the flyer on the talent who won't buy in. He wants the non-talent who will buy in because his mindset is he'll make that guy into something. Um, And if you can find those characteristics of a player in someone that is talented and the best player available, then you found a Tibbs player and you found a perfect match. Tibbs will always tell you he has a bias towards good players because he consider all these things that he likes about players. He just consider he thinks that's what makes players good. You know, it's very, it's a, it's a cycle, right? It's his own evaluation cycling in on itself. But um, for example, Gigi Jackson might be the most talented player available if the Knicks trade in, but is he the best player available considering the doubts that teams have about the, the extent to which he'll chase his ceiling? He'll reach it. You know, maybe that's not the best player available. Maybe the better player is someone who projects to grow quicker and faster on the court because they want to, because they're addicted to getting better. You know, someone who, who can't even finish a loss without just thinking about changing into sweats and getting back out there on the court and shooting around. Um, that's a Tibbs guy. So that's the way I see it. I think you take a Tibbs guy because that's what this team is built around. That's what the identity is. But a Tibbs guy can be the best player on the board. Those two aren't mutually exclusive. Thank you, Brad. John Rodriguez, what is up, my man? We got a super chat coming in. John says, hi, Chris. Thanks for all the great draft coverage john thank you man like <laughs> I w- i've been up until 5 a.m every night this week can y'all tell i'm delirious this stream today can you guys tell i, I haven't slept all week i've been up until 5 a.m waking up at 9 a.m every day four or five hours of sleep every day grinding my big board because i care i want it to be the best for y'all I- i'm addicted to this stuff so i appreciate you i appreciate your support i appreciate you um being willing to 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 uh, come and hang out and check out the 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 shows and I just thank you man um thank you he says here is my contribution to your bacon egg and cheese fun yes sir that's getting used on a bacon egg and cheese on a roll man hot sauce salt pepper ketchup oh my god coming soon to theaters near you movie let's go man thank you i appreciate it uh you guys are the best john thank you man thank you thank you i i've seen you in these streams i've seen you asking questions i appreciate your guys' support so much i'm so proud to call you all my family thank you thank you thank you darren hood chris what are your thoughts on these issues concerning obi all right, we could do this. We could do this dance. Here are my thoughts. Number one, the New York Knicks have an issue. If video and audio from within their locker room after a playoff game is making it to the internet, someone needs to be fired. Someone needs to not be allowed back in that locker room. 
that's beyond breaking trust. That's espionage. If I if I'm in charge in the New York Knicks, I'm I'm having a tech team break down the resolution of that the the screenshot to see what phone camera it came from. And I'm going through my staff and I'm checking burner phones and everything. I'm seeing what phone you got. You got the iPhone 13 Pro Max? Oh shit. Termination. I mean, listen, man, you got a problem if that is happening. So that's my first thought. My second thought. I had a tweet earlier today and I'm going to read it right now because people misunderstood it and I thought it was really simple. So let's talk about it. I said, there's a lot of talk on Nick's Twitter today. Everybody wants to be TMZ. Guess people are bored. If you follow me, I've said for years that NBA coverage is becoming less and less about X's and O's and more and more about what they have for breakfast and what bag they're buying at the mall and what kicks they got on and, and just not not the game, right? And I follow players. I want to see their personal brands be built. I don't need Stephen A. Smith to build them for them. Okay, so so that's where I'm at. I want to talk basketball. And when when people are are, are spending the day before the NBA draft, um talking about something like they're sitting around in the TMZ HQ. Y'all not at work? Like, really? Jeez, <laughs> go do something. Um, I said, nobody who has ever been in or around a locker room at any level of competition sees an argument between player and coach as any sort of legitimate issue. Uh, if you played T-ball when you were a kid, if you played Little League, if you played AAU, if you played four-year-old pre-K basketball, you had arguments with your teammates. You had arguments with your coach. Now, especially if you played a middle school, I guarantee you had arguments with your teammates and you had arguments with your coach. I'll put my mortgage on the line that you had arguments with your coach in high school. And if you played at the collegiate level, which I never had a chance to, cause I'm scrawny and I can't shoot. Um, I, you, you have had arguments with your coach. Did those arguments lead to you transferring? 99% of them did not. I mean, so many arguments between player and coach happen every single day, especially every single loss. Talk about a playoff loss. Yeah, an argument's going to happen. Um, if you know how sports work, you know that passion is is up and, and tensions flare and that tempers rise and that those things are going to happen. <laughs> If you follow the New York Knicks, you know that Obi Toppin has not publicly made any of these concerns a thing. So what I don't get there. If someone has an issue, I don't get what it is. And if someone's issue is that Obi shouldn't be speaking his mind, like what are we doing, man? So that's why I say, let's keep it a basketball. Let's not do want to be TMZ. Let's not, you know, talk about, uh, this, this leak, um, not because I'm trying to wash it away, but because I don't know what there's is productive to talk about. Like if someone asks me a question and, and I think it's, it leads to productive discourse, I'll answer it. All I saw today, I couldn't escape discourse on my timeline of uh, Fred Katz had a good scoop. Okay. Ian Begley reported that weeks ago and, and he was a little more vague about it. Fred Katz had the scoop today. Um, good for Fred, who's a friend of mine and a, a big friend of KFS, like forgetting that scoop. But for people to turn it into the news of the summer, 
I just I remember when people were in spaces for 24 hours a day talking about why the Knicks should or should not trade for Donovan Mitchell. At a certain point, I'm going to be like, hey, man, go do something. Um, If that offends you, tell me to shut up. (laughs) It's the same energy I'm bringing to you. I'll shut up. So, yeah, that's that. Thank you, Darren. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable, but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Lee with a great question. More likely star bet Keontae or Kaysen. Now, Lee, I've got these guys real close on my big board. I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up for you right now. I got Kaysen Wallace at number nine. I got Keontae George at number 11. I think Kaysen Wallace is the better bet to bring star caliber impact. However, the better bet to be a star is Keontae George. And the reason for that is because if Keontae George turns into what I think he can be, which is a high volume three point shooter, someone who passes the ball really well, really efficiently, someone who is skilled out there at at bending defenses and creating looks for teammates, then that's going to look like a star more than Kaysen's looking like a star, which is more like a drew holiday vibe. 
you know, and Drew Holiday is really good, but I feel like people don't think star when people think Drew Holiday. I think people think, um, ah, he's really good, you know, but I'm not confident that, um, I'm not confident that Keontae George will will be a star, nor am I confident that Kaysom Wallace will be a star. If I were confident that either of those guys would be a star, I would have them in my top five. Uh, I think they're both decent bets to bring star caliber impact, and I'd give Kaysom the edge because of what he brings on the defensive end of the court. Yeah, Keontae is a dynamo offensively, but Kaysom's good offensively and elite defensively. I'll take good plus elite over great plus zero. So it's tough. Um, but Keontae is going to be the type of good that where like the defense gets hidden, in my opinion, and it just doesn't matter. I got to go case and Wallace though, because of what he brings on both ends of the court. Thank you for the question. And wow, your profile photo is funny. Uh, that's funny. Jacob Slavit, my man, what's going on? Hey, Chris, who from this draft class do you think would be the perfect Tibbs guy? And what percentage would you put on trading into a top 25 pick? Jacob, thank you so much for the super chat. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting. Um, you are one of the members of this family. That means a lot to me. Uh, and I, I, I just, I sound cheesy and corny and gross, but that's where I'm at with y'all. I feel like I could be gross. Like you guys know me. I, I could be sappy a little bit. Like I really do appreciate y'all. And I hope you know that. Um, so thanks for the super chat and thanks for the, the support in general. Super chat or not. From this draft class, the perfect Tibbs guy. You know, I, I feel like this is a tough question because the best Tibbs guy would probably be Jarris Walker. I think he'll do a lot of the things defensively that Tibbs would love, but then offensively, I think he would annoy Tibbs a little bit. Tibbs would want him to get to the rack more. So I'm going to go with Casey Wallace would be a perfect Tibbs guy. Um, and I'm going to go with Olivier Maxson's prosper. Another one, someone who just knows his role wants to exceed and excel in it. But to me, the pen, like the quintessential Tibbs guy is Jaime Jaquez Jr. He's not a superstar. He's never going to be a superstar in the NBA. Oh my God, is he going to be good? And oh my God, is he going to be fun? He can go get a bucket. He understands team defense. He understands defensive schemes. Coached for, for, by Mick Cronin. Like, just such a freaking Tibbs guy. Jaime Jaquez ushered in the Mick Cronin era at UCLA and helped make it what it, what it is and what it has been. Jaime Jaquez Jr. Um, currently number 27 on my big board. Can I make, I'm going to make my big board really tiny. Show you guys on the screen. There's your hint. There's, you know, if you can read good luck trying to read any of that, but um, that's where we're at. We got 58 players ranked for 58 picks. uh, And I'm going to go with Jaime Jaquez jr. As the perfect Tibbs guy. Now, as for the percentage, the Knicks trade into a top 25 pick. I'm going to go with 10%. I'm going to go with 10%, maybe even, eight. Um, I think if the Knicks get a pick, it will be at the very end of the first round, whether it's pick 28 or 29, or then maybe they get pick 30 from Washington or 32 from Denver. Like 
I can see the pick being after 25 more likely than if it's 25 or before. Um, so I'm going to go with like a 7.5% chance that they trade into a top 25 pick. Remember, Jacob, this front office loves value. And in such a deep draft class, you can probably get someone at 35. That's just as good, if not better as the guys going at 25. And so the Knicks are going to know that. And the Knicks are not going to pay up to get to 20 when someone might fall to, to 26. Who's just as good, you know? So that's where I'm at. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. JV, what's up, man? Good to see you in here as well. Got my guys coming out to support. I appreciate y'all. JV says, sub brother, I want to know your thoughts on Kobe Brown and Justin Mutz as fits for New York. I think they'd be great fits on great value in the draft. Yeah, Mutz, Virginia Tech could probably grab him undrafted. Got to keep it a bean with you. I think you could get him undrafted. So that's great value. You, you, I got no questions. I like him. At that, at that context, at that value, you know, make that happen. Um, I don't think Mutz is someone I'd spend a, a draft pick on just because there are so many other players I like in this class. Um, for example, let me get, let me get deep and let me get deep down there. Uh, a a Jalen Slauson, a Chris Livingston, a Seth Lundy, Amari Bailey, Julian Phillips, Jalen Wilson. These are guys, Jalen Wilson really like I think would be like my pick over Justin Mutz if you wanted that blend of player or skill set rather. Um, but Kobe Brown, man, this is a good name you brought up. I've got him at 32 on my big board and I've got him just, you know, you want to know my thoughts on Kobe Brown are if he loses 10 pounds, I'm going to regret not ha- having him in the first round. If Kobe Brown loses 10 pounds, gets down to like 240, 245, 10, 15 pounds and maintains his strength, well, by building up the muscle, but by getting faster on his feet, I'm going to regret not having had him in the first round. The fact that that needs to happen for me to consider having him like that's why he's right outside. OK, but there are guys I have above Kobe Brown, like Max Lewis and Ben Shepard and Marcus Sasser and Rayon Repair, who don't need to lose 10 pounds. They just have aspects of their game that need to grow the same way Kobe Brown does. So that knocked him down a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but I, I could, I could see myself having put Kobe at 28 or 29 or 30. I just have him at 32 because of, because of what I said, but I really like him. Um, and I think he'd be a great fit for New York as an OB top and replacement. If the team decides to go in a different direction, I, I think that um, he's really skilled. I, I think he's really skilled. And I think that um, he's just someone who, who could grow who could grow under Thibodeau APJP next up Judah Benchar. If a Jordan Hawkins falls to something like 20, would the Knicks try to trade in that high? He checks every parent box and is a need. I know it would be a crazy long shot. So I have Jordan Hawkins at 25 on my latest big board, but I actually wouldn't hate the Knicks selecting him at 20 or 21 or something like that. If they did trade in, the price would have to be right, especially if it were for Hawkins, who I don't think presents much upside as an on-ball creator. However, Hawkins is the kind of guy that just sticks in the NBA because of his uncanny ability to shoot. He's so damn good with the ball in his hands when it's just, going towards the rim. Um, and, and, you know, despite the fact that I don't see him as a playmaker and I don't see him as a defender and I don't see him as a rebounder, he's such a good shooter that it makes up for the lack of in-between scoring game. And, and you know what? He has 
the ability, I think, to to get his game in a way where there's an in-between scoring game. And I, I'm not trying to say that he needs to like improve his handle drastically and change his game. I think he just needs to repurpose some of his movements, make them a little more efficient, um, not hunt getting up for the shot as much, be more comfortable getting inside, taking a floater. Once he's more comfortable driving inside, taking a floater, runner, or, or, or pushing the rim and, and, and creating contact down there, then teams will close out harder. Um, or they'll close out less hard, sorry, on his drives, which will result him being able to just pull up and shoot from three. So, you know, that's his thing. Uh, I could totally see the Knicks loving him. I agree about the parent part. Um, But here's my other thing with Jordan Hawkins. I think someone like Ben Shepard, who's like the same height and has a similar skill set and used to be a combo guard. So maybe he's worse defensively and a worse athlete. Yes, but he's a better passer and he has a better feel for the game. Is he available 10 spots later in the second round? Is he available at the end of the first? Might be better value for the Knicks. Judah, that's a great question. Thank you. Darren Hood, I have another question. I have another answer, sir. Did you hear a report from Steph Bondi that no player in the mid to late first round picks done a pre-draft workout for the Knicks? Yeah, I did see that. My first concern as someone that like, is Steph's coworker on the Knicks beat. I'm not trying to say act like I work for the daily news or anything. I'm, I'm not big time like him, but uh, as someone that talks to Steph, my first thing was like, go Steph for, for doing that digging. Cause there's a lot of digging involved. If, if he talked to that many prospects, like, go him. I was just at first, like proud to, to work with someone who did that kind of journalistic work. Cause that's the stuff I do. I made a call to another country today to get information about a prospect. I made a call to an office in another country to get information about a prospect. If I want to find something out, I'm going to do what it takes to find it out. Um, And so I really respected Steph for going and finding that out. My thing though, with that was who does Steph think is a late mid to late first round prospect? Are there guys that, I personally view as a as a a, 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 tw- a top twenty five player like Olivier Maxens Prosper that Steph perceives as being top forty, and so maybe he didn't include someone like that in that tweet. Um, so that was my only reserve with that was maybe there are people that are first round caliber that Steph doesn't consider first round or mid to late first round. Um, so yeah, I also think that I wouldn't put it past the Knicks to tell prospects that worked out for them that they did to say that they didn't work out for them because I had Sam Vecini on the last episode of draft class. If you haven't checked that out, what are you Patrick star live under a rock? Go check that out. That's the best podcast I ever put out in my life. I'm proud of that one. Um, Thank you guys. Love you guys for withstanding my moments of arrogance. Um, but Sam, Sam made a point to say that the Knicks might want to keep everything on the low so that other teams don't know what players they're looking at so that other teams can't get a perception for where they might want to trade into. Um, but the Knicks are doing their homework in this draft. And that's for sure. I can tell you that like sourced, like sourced information. I can tell you factually, the Knicks are doing their homework in this draft up and down the draft and have been for months up to the top, up to the top, the very top. They know they're never going to be there. They've done the homework. Why? So they're prepared. That's how they operate. I can tell you firsthand. I know it. APJP. 
Okay, you know, I'm going to read this person's name because they super chatted, but like got me. I get damn it, man. You got me. Your mother <laughs> with the super chat wants to know if Obi's replacement is more likely from the draft or free agency. I know I'm 21, but I feel like 12 because this is making me chuckle. Thanks, your mother. Uh <laughs> I would say, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I would say calm and collected. Got to keep it calm and collected. I would say free agency because um, I just think of the Knicks, the value in this draft is from like the two to three, like the, the swing men, the wings, the guards, the combo guards, the wings. That's where the value is at for me. And so I think that, um, I think that, you know, the, the replacement would more likely come from free agency um, in the form of a Nas Reed. And I'll give a shout out to Zach Blatter from the Strickland because he loves Trey Lyles. And while I don't see it happening, it might happen. So, you know, not that I've heard anything. I just, I, I respect it. So yeah, Zach, um, basically shout out Zach. Thank you, your mother. I appreciate it. Um, I'll find out which one of my friends that was later. Uh, Justin, what's up, man? I won't ruin your Batman identity, but um, love the page, man. <laughs> love the page. Keep it up. Thoughts on Craig Porter? I, you know, <laughs> this is a tough one. Um, and I think primarily because of his size. Um, but you know, even given his size, he's got vertical pop. Um, he's one of those, it's one of those things like with Sasser, I can ignore the size cause he's so skilled offensively and he brings defensive shit where it's like, okay, there's a two way guard I'm dealing with here. Um, that can like legitimately score the ball. And like, I guess what people kind of said, bones Highland and quickly would be at a college, like that kind of role, but then also bring great defense. Like I like Sasser for that. Um, but with Porter Jr., it's tough. I just think when you see what he did in terms of his rebounding, given his size, yeah, he plays up a little bit. And that's something I really admire. As a six foot one dude myself, him being six two, going and getting all those rebounds, that's not easy. I could never do that. <laughs> not that I'm gonna draft it, but um I think Porter Porter will be one of those guys that's like snubbed from my board because of the size and I'm going to go down being okay, striking out, looking on him as opposed to striking out swinging. If that makes sense. Thanks for the question, bro. Jordan, what's going on? Three pronged question. Let's do it. How likely do I think the Knicks are to trade into this draft? I'm going to go 18.2%. What team would I be surprised if Obi went to on draft night? I would be surprised if the Los Angeles Lakers acquired Obi Toppin. Um, you know, the, their, where their pick is matches up with maybe the Knicks could give a future pick and top in and make that value work. But I don't see the Knicks doing a trade where they have to add a future first to top in to get into this first round. I can see the Knicks trading top in and two second rounders to get into the late first round of this draft. And, and people will call that a bad value play. And, and I'd be fine with it depending on who they get. Um, 
but I can't see them getting high enough where they'd have to do that. So that's why I'd say I'd be surprised. Most likely trade destination for OB. For me, it was the Indiana Pacers. Now they shook some things up. So maybe not them. Um, I'm trying to think of teams that I've heard have been interested in him. And just as every team pops up, they've already done something to address that need. Um, Weirdly, I could see Cleveland going after him. Um, So maybe them in a very weird guess from me. I feel like no one's put that out there. Cleveland. Um, God bless Utah, Cleveland. Wow. I'm really setting up a sites to see here for Mr. Toppin. A lot of destination spots. Um, Yeah. Salt Lake city, Cleveland, or you know what else? If, if Sacramento loses Lyles and doesn't end up making an OGN and OB trade, I could see them going for Toppin off the bench. So those are three for you. Uh, any more questions, APJP? I know we're past the hour, but it's the day before the draft. I'm trying to answer these all. Judah, what's going on? Hey, Chris, sorry to ask another question. Don't be sorry. Don't be silly, man. I love answering your guys' questions. You are making my day by asking another question and by being so nice to think that you couldn't ask another question. You're, you're too kind, Judah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, don't worry. I got you. If you, I had to wager my life on one guy the Knicks trade in for, who would it be? Uh, you know, assuming that I, I get to keep my life, um, if I get to keep my life, if they don't trade in at all, but if they did trade in, it had to be for this specific person. I would say, Ooh, this is tough. I'm going to go with a non-Orthodox pick. I'm going to go with Ben Shepard from Belmont. I've got him in my first round, just barely. Um, he shot 40.5% on catch and shoot looks last season. He shot 49.1% on unguarded catch and shoot looks last season. And he shot 40.5% coming off of screens in, in, and in those scenarios, he scored 1.22 points per possession, which is really impressive. Um, so I'm going to go with Ben Shepard here. And yeah, that's an unorthodox pick. And I understand that, but I'm comfortable with that because I don't think they trade in too the late first or second, unless there's real value for someone like that. Um, in which case, you know, maybe they get him at 40 or 38 or wherever, wherever they can sneak into. I'm going to go with Ben Shepard out of Belmont. APJP any more? Let's go. What would deem ex- an excellent draft night for the Knicks? One that's realistic. One that's semi-realistic. Jordan. Thank you for the question, man. One that's realistic. Trading Obi Toppin to the Utah Jazz for the 28th pick and using it to select Olivier Maxens Prosper or Colby Jones or Ben Shepard. Um, yeah, semi realistic. <sighs> Let's go with Jeremy Cohen's plan making a draft night trade with the Chicago Bulls where you're able to turn Toppin as well as Fournier. And then by adding in RJ Barrett for like the salary, pretty much shout out, John um, basically allows you to land Zach Levine and a late first rounder. That's Jeremy's trade scenario. I'm going to go with that as the semi-realistic scenario where the Knicks land Levine and a late first rounder. And they use that late first rounder on the likes of someone like a Noah Clowney. So, yeah. 
Noah Clowney from Alabama. Anything else, APJP? Pluckster, what's going on? Chris, how does my crystal ball say next year's draft draft? Sorry, draft depth, tongue twister, compares with this year's. I think two things can be true, Pluckster. Two things can be true. And I'll make this quick because this was our last question. Uh, I know saying two things can be true at the start of an answer makes it seem like I'm about to go on one of my signature tangent tangents. Um, but I think number one, the 2024 draft does not have as much depth as the 2023 draft and semicolon. The 2023 draft is better than the 2024 draft. The second thing that can be true is the 2024 draft is much better than people are making it seem for years. Evaluators have talked about the 24 draft almost dreadfully um, as if they can't believe how bad it's going to be. And this is going to stink and you better go get in the 23 draft. I really don't see it that way. I think so many players saw this 23 draft as a powerhouse and said, screw it. I'm not getting taken. I'm going to get my ass back to the books. I'm going to go back to college. I'm going to go to G league Ignite. I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to work on my game and I'm going to come back a better prospect. That's worth a higher pick. Uh, you want to look at Donovan Klingon as an example of one of those guys. You want to look at uh, so many players across NCAA basketball that did this Hunter Dickinson, a lot of players, Zach Eady, a lot of players that, that could have gotten drafted in the late second round to the early second round that, went back and now are in, you know, potential have potential to be first round picks just cause we'll see how much better they get. Um, Pluckster, my crystal ball says that the media is lying to you about how bad next year's draft is. It's really not all that bad and that it is worse than this year's draft. Nonetheless, with all that, it's our last question, meaning it's my time to bid you all adieu, but I have news. I have news. I got news. Let's talk. Oh my gosh. Get to make an announcement. I get to make an announcement. All right. Um, my draft board, my big board drops tomorrow. Lock the hell in. This is the most I've ever spent on a class in my life. I started evaluating this class in December. My roommate said I spent about 40 hours from December to the end of the school year. I thought it was like 35. He thought it was like 45. So we decided to cut it at 40. Um, And I would say I've put in about 30 hours since getting home from school, 30 hours of work to 40 hours of work, which means I'm lying. It's been like 50, 60. So anyway, whenever you're nearing a hundred hours of something, um, you're sick of it but I'm not sick of this draft class because I'm so excited to see what happens in tomorrow's NBA draft. You're going to be able to watch it with me. Basically, Knicks Film School is doing a watch party for the draft. I'm hosting. Uh, I throw sick parties because I'm the college kid here at Knicks Film School. So you're going to want to come hang out with me Um, and come chill. Come talk about this draft. I will give you a breakdown of every single prospect that gets taken. I know about them. I've scouted them and I'll tell you about them and I'll tell you how they fit their team. And I'll tell you what role they're going to play based on the coach. And I'll do my best to answer all those things. I may not be right on any of them, uh, but I trust myself to get at least one out of every 32. Right. So maybe, you know, broken clock, right. Twice a day, be right. Twice for the draft. Uh, 
bad jokes to self-deprecate myself aside, I'm really proud of the work I've put in and I'm really confident in it. Um, and I can't wait for it to all age like shit so I can learn and get even better. Thank you guys for coming out to dream. Thank you guys for supporting draft class, the podcast, go watch the latest episode with Sam Vecini. Go check out that episode. Go give it a thumbs up. Go give the Knicks film school podcast a five-star rating. Go check out the Knicks film school, social channels. Go follow me on Twitter. Go follow me on TikTok, damn it. I got a TikTok. I just put up a video on Ben Shepard. What do you know about that? Go check that out. Listen, man, y'all are the best. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you that I get the opportunity to talk hoops with you guys. I'd do it all day if I could, but I got to go now. So with that, thank you for tuning in. I'll see you tomorrow for the NBA draft. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.